We are downtown. We are historic. We are family. We are scriptural. We are First Baptist Church. Amen. You know, I'm thankful we don't have those old gym lights that took 30 minutes to come on. <laughs> because I think, I think we used to have something like that in here. So I'm, I'm grateful we can flip a switch. So today we're in the last week of this series. As we wrap up the Judges, we move to 1 Samuel this week, 1 Samuel chapter 3, and um, we come to this moment where God speaks. It's beautiful and it's holy. And so as we do, we're going to read this aloud together. So if you would, uh, stand with me and turn to your listening sheet to 1 Samuel chapter 3. And we don't often do this. Uh, usually we'll pick a, a section of the reverse, but this week we're going to read the entire reverse text aloud together. So, this then is the text for today. Now, the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli, and word from the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were infrequent. It happened at the time as Eli was lying down in his place. Now his eyesight had begun to grow dim, and he could not see well. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. That the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am. Then he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, lie down again. And so he went and lay down. The Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he answered, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor had the word of the Lord yet been revealed to him. So the Lord called Samuel again for the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli discerned that the Lord was calling the boy. And Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Then the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. May God bless the reading of his word. It isn't hard to imagine a scenario where you wake up to pitch black. It happens all the time for one reason or another. Your eyes open in the middle of the night and it's dark. And rarely are we startled by the dark. We only fear if it remains. And so we flip a switch or we grab our phones that we might see. Because as each of us have, we have learned our lessons. You always go and find a light. 
If you stumble in the darkness, you are inevitably going to slam your shin into the side of the most solid piece of furniture you own. Then you'll lose your witness and wake everybody up. <laughs> it, it isn't hard to imagine that scenario when we wake to pitch black. But what if we woke up and life was lightless? There are no working light switches or the sun never found the horizon. You see, this is where our text begins this week in such a lightless kind of place, both physically and spiritually completely dark. And the hour is not certain here. Darkness lingers, and maybe we're somewhere near 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. at this point. And as this text unfolds in 1 Samuel chapter 3, the only light in the whole scene is from a single lamp. You see, both Exodus and Leviticus prescribe this lamp. It's a small lamp kept in the presence of God near the ark on the other side of the veil. And they were to keep this small lamp and they were to fill it with the most pure olive oil that they had. And the, here near the ark, there would be this lamp burning all night long on practically smokeless olive oil. It was a sign of the holiness of God who in one flicker of a flame dispels all darkness out of a room. That lamp sat between Samuel and the ark of God. And so as we have worked through this text in 1 Samuel chapter 3 all week long, we saw it. The only ray of light out of the whole text, this little lamp flickering to the side. In fact, it even tells us as we, we jump into to verse 2 and we see Eli, his eyesight was failing him so that blindness was nearer than the dawn. And beyond Eli, Israel was shrouded in a total blackout. And, and this was more than just the power going out. This, the, the, this wasn't that the, the switches uh, weren't turning on. We are to picture the nation of Israel late into the night, blanketed by the darkest smoke, as if the fires of hell are burning so hot and so near they can no longer see the flames for the smoke, and the heat singes their eyelashes. Israel is in the darkest of places. Not only are the nation of Israel chasing after idols again, the priests are both stealing and carousing in the tabernacle. Eli, who's near Samuel at this moment, has a couple of sons who are carrying out the priestly functions at the tabernacle in Shiloh. And what would happen is the, the men of Israel would bring their sacrifices in, and when they would come to make sacrifices to the Lord, these sons of Eli, the, these priests would come in and steal that which they have brought to the Lord, stealing from the men and stealing from God. And if that wasn't enough, when they were through stealing from God, Eli's sons would have their way with women right there in the tabernacle. Scripture in chapter 2 calls them worthless and despised. You might be able to think of other descriptors for these degenerates. But you see, this is why we hear what we hear in verse 1 that is so troubling. Right? That, that second sentence in verse 1 where it tells us that, that a word from God 
and, and visions from God were rare and infrequent in those days. That it was as if God was absent. But we need to recognize something in this moment. God's absence wasn't just on a divine whim. God doesn't just up and leave his children in the dark as some kind of ruse. You see, God had, had taken a step back because of the bleak sin found in the clergy. The worst sins had made their way into worship and no one cared. The nation of Israel didn't care. The priests didn't care. In fact, the nation of Israel and everybody around them was so preoccupied with their own dalliances, they didn't even notice they were standing in the dark without God. Went right over their heads. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 3, this is where we find the nation of Israel, even her priests, they are there at night. But life as it was is much darker than the night. There is no moon, no stars, not a light left for man, save one lamp burning through the night between Samuel and the ark. Look down with me, verses 3 and 4. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am. Underline it, mark it up, put stars all around it. Verses 3 and 4. Th that sentence that we find in those verses, that sentence is one of the most compassionate sentences in all of Scripture. Though the priests were despicable and unfamiliar with God, God was still working. Though the nation of Israel were willingly in the dark, running away from God, God was still present and God was still working. You see, God was still there speaking to his children, if, if only it's symbolized by one little flame of olive oil and a lamp. God was speaking to his children and he was connecting through anyone that would listen to him. See, if, if you and I were God, I think this would have played out a bit differently. You see, if you and I were God, I'm not sure there would be a verse 3 or there would be a verse 4. I think I would have given up on the nation of Israel a long time ago. I would have given up after every judge that we have been studying for the last 13 weeks. It's been one of the things about this study that we have seen as God, over the course of it was about 400 years, you, you would see God just raise up folks and he would, he would raise, raise up people to deliver Israel, and they would do a mighty work. And then at each step of the way, after every judge, it says the judge died and the people forgot. The people had forgotten their God, and they fell back into all of the sins that they were falling into before. You see, we see every one of these generations just fall back into the same sins of their fathers and Israel just plunging deeper and deeper into darkness. They would fall back into worshiping the Baals and they would fall back into worshiping uh, Ashtaroth. And th it was just they were wanting more from God. They, they would come and say God wasn't giving them enough and so they would go to Baal and expect more out of their crops than God would give them. And then, and then they would slump into sensual indulgences that, that turned into addictions. 
You see, in these days, Israel spent more time running away from God than enjoying God. And God's presence was real and enjoyable, and they ran the other way. You see, God was rare and infrequent because of their sin. God's intention was always to be familiar and expect. But, but Israel didn't want God familiar and expected. They wanted rare and infrequent because when God is rare and infrequent, you can roll around in your sin, wallow in the wastefulness. So they wanted God rare and infrequent, and so it was. God gave them over to their desires. But all the while, a lamp kept burning near the ark. You know, at some point, I would have just said, I'm done with you, but God didn't. God would raise up judge after judge. I mean, we studied Caleb, Othniel, Ehud, Deborah, Gideon. There were others, too. These, these great deliverers that, that God raised up that Israel didn't deserve. And then this week, we come to Samuel, uh, the prophet, who, who's essentially considered the, the last judge. He, he's the transition figure out of this, this period of judges and other kind of leadership into the, the monarchy that would be led by Saul. And so Samuel's that transition figure into the monarchy. And you see, what we see in all of this is that in, in spite of all of Israel's sin, God was patient raising up leaders, raising up deliverers, and calling Israel home. Even in the midst of all the chaos that was going on around them, the voice of God still spoke, if only in a whisper, calling Israel home and into the presence of God. And what we see here in 1 Samuel chapter 3 is God showing us his holy calm. You know, as you work down through this text, God, God speaks. You hear the Lord's voice calling out to Samuel time and time again. God's voice was so rare and Samuel so green, he had no idea that it was the Lord waking him up by the flicker of the lamp. And it takes Samuel four times and Eli's guidance to figure out what's going on here. This is the Lord, our God, the creator of the universe, speaking into his life. And, and, and all the while through the night, God is, is patiently waiting for him to figure it out. You know, I think we uh, often imagine something more like an ever-increasing clock. I, I feel like a lot of us believe there'd be some kind of countdown here. But there, there's no clock. There's, there's no racing the dawn. God, God is just allowing Samuel the time to process what's going on. And when Samuel finally realizes this is the voice of God, something graceful happens. We have two telltale signs that appear in verse 10. Look down at 1 Samuel 3, verse 10 with me. Uh, then the Lord came and stood and called, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak for your servant is listening. Now, first thing to notice here in verse 10 is that the Lord has drawn even nearer. It says the Lord came and stood there near him, next to him. You see, God knew Samuel's heart. And, and in this moment, God, God presses in so that they might embrace one another and that Samuel could know the embrace of God as he experienced God's voice. And God doesn't have to do that for his children. 
But he does. God doesn't have to do that for us, but he, but he does. That is, that is his heart, patiently waiting for us to, to hear the word of God and respond to it. You know, that's, that's the other moment here um, that we see in, in verse 10. The other three times, uh, as the text lays it out, God says, Samuel. But in verse 10, God says, Samuel, Samuel, naming him twice. The double name being a unique calling, uh, kind, of, kind of like those rare times someone uses your full name. Uh, point you to, there's, there's other times in Scripture, like when God had a special calling for Abraham in Genesis 22, God says, Abraham, Abraham, speaks his name twice. When, when God had a special calling for Jacob in Genesis 46, the same thing, God says, Jacob, Jacob. And same thing, when, when God was calling Moses in Exodus chapter 3, he says, Moses, Moses, dropping the double name from heaven like a crate of humanitarian aid pushed out of a cargo plane. You see, the voice of God is now, now speaking, and in this moment, it's becoming familiar and expected that, that Samuel's starting to recognize it. Eli's starting to recognize it. The voice of God is growing and expanding and coming exactly as and when they need it. Now, we know from the rest of the story and the rest of 1 Samuel chapter 3 that the news that was delivered the message that God brought that morning was terrible news for Eli. And Samuel was unsure how Eli might take it, but, but God spoke the truth. And that day, God said, you need to know what is going to happen, and that which is going to cause people to, to talk is going to be my judgment that I'm going to bring down on Eli's sons for the sins that they have brought into worship, for the sins that they have brought into my house. They will pay their punishment for what they have done. And even as God speaks judgment over that family, this is good news. And, and it's all good news because that means God is intervening again on the earth, that God is intervening in their life, that God is intervening in the life of Israel. And when God is near and when God is at work, all is good. God will dispel the darkness and reveal direction. And if there's ever anything we need is God's light to dispel the darkness and God to lead us forward in his direction and his direction alone. You see, what we see unfolding here in 1 Samuel chapter 3 it is available. This is who God is. This is his character. This is his nature. It didn't stop at the New Testament. It continues today through Jesus Christ and by the Holy Spirit. You see, God can be familiar and expected in your life. God drives out darkness and reveals direction. If only we would surrender to Jesus Christ, our Savior. You know, it's interesting. Throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus uses a similar kind of language. Let me read you one of those verses. This is from John uh, chapter 8, verse 12. In Jesus speaking, this is how he describes himself. I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. You see, these days that we're living in, long after the judges, there are no excuses for God to be rare and infrequent in your life. Because we have been given this, this light in the person of Jesus Christ. We have known the work of the Holy Spirit in the church and in our lives so that God is familiar and expected. You see, God is available for those who believe in Jesus Christ. 
And so if we will surrender and know the Christ, God will be frequent. See, there's no longer any reason to linger in darkness because Jesus Christ has now come near. And to our benefit, all we need to be is ready and willing. You know, that's one of the beautiful things about this story. We see young Samuel as it unfolds. He he doesn't even know who's calling him. He's happy to go. He jumps up ready, willing to serve. Whatever needs to be done, I'll do it. Someone is calling me. I will come running. In those those first three responses, we, we hear him respond. He says, here I am. And what's amazing is, is that phrase where he speaks, here I am, it connects him to those, those, those great figures of the Old Testament. All right? It's the same way Moses answered in Exodus 3. He said, here I am, Lord. It's the same way Jacob answered in Genesis 46. He says, here I am, Lord. It's the same way Abraham answered in Genesis 22. He says, here I am, Lord. And, and in this moment, Samuel is connected with, with the, the history of those faithful figures responding to the Lord and moving forward in a mighty way just by saying, here I am. And, you know, that's the, the hope that we have as a church, and it's a hope that, that we have together that, that we would answer the call in the same way this morning. Here I am, speak for your servant is listening. Ready and willing to serve in the kingdom of God by the blood of the Lamb. See, one of the things that we have to recognize in the church is those of us who have come to Christ, those of us who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb, we are qualified to serve. You, you, you are qualified to serve and act and, and, and move forward in the kingdom of God. And let us be ready and willing to step forward following our Lord Jesus Christ into the future that he has for us. Because, you see, one of the things that you learn from these stories of the judges and, and that we see here in 1 Samuel is that whatever future Jesus has in store for us is far greater than any future we can come up with on our own. Whatever future you imagine for yourself, whatever future you think you're capable of is nothing in comparison to the future that Jesus Christ has for you. That which the the creator of the universe has put together in the church by the Spirit for you, that which has been ordained from the heavens is greater than anything that you can do on your own. So why do we press forward? Why do we try to work on our own in in our own strength and in our own ways, in our own wisdom? When God is before us with a wisdom of heaven that is greater than anything that we could come up with on our own, Let us surrender to Christ and say, here I am. Speak. Your servant is listening. I will follow you, Lord, wherever you lead me to go because it's greater than whatever I can come up with on my own. If we spend our lives trying to come up with our own future, even for tomorrow, it is inevitable that we will end up in darkness like the nation of Israel. But if we will live and operate and trust in the Spirit, the future is bright. Because what we see and know is that our imaginations are clouded by chaotic smoke of burning tires of this earth. But Jesus Christ has a future free of darkness for you. If only we would surrender to him this morning. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray together.
Our Lord, we are people who need your forgiveness. And so we pray right now, Lord, that you would forgive us of where we have failed you. Um, Lord, forgive us of those times we have ran away. Lord, forgive us of those times where we have just uh, tripped and fallen into temptation because, Lord, it has been often. It has been frequent. And, Lord, we pray that your spirit would work in our lives in such a way that, Lord, that would be diminished and washed away. Lord, that we would live in the light of Jesus Christ and walk in a newness of life that only comes from you, Father. Would you come and work? Mold us into the men and women that you've called us to be. We are not yet as the dust of the earth, but we are clay in your hands. Mold us, Lord. Make us holy. It's in the name of our Lord and risen Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.